Heavenly Father, we thank you for the passages of Scripture that have been read to us. And we pray that you would give us wisdom as we reflect upon these words. We pray that you would make your truth real to each one of us. And that your Holy Spirit would be present with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I think one of the the most annoying things that can happen is what's called the bait and switch. Have you ever been the victim of the bait and switch? And so this is often used in uh, terms of maybe sometimes uh, retail or or some kind of transaction where you think that you're getting something, but either you're getting less than what you thought or, or more than what you thought or something different than what you thought. So you're being brought in with some kind of thing that's attractive, and then at the last minute, there's some kind of change in your expectations. And so, of course, people who are selling things, it doesn't matter what they're selling, they want to to make it as attractive as possible. So so that's the the bait, to say, uh, this is what you can get by purchasing this, this is how everything is going to come together, and everything will be great. Uh, but then at uh, the last moment, you find out that things are not quite the way you expected. Now, that doesn't always happen, but sometimes there is uh, a bait and switch that has happened. But that's not just in the retail area where that kind of thing happens. Uh, and sometimes it's not uh, completely on purpose. I, I remember at uh, one point uh, at the church that I was growing up, uh, they had some snacks after the service, and, and I grabbed what I thought was a nice, juicy grape. And so I picked that up, and I was just, I could feel how firm this was. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And so I bit into it, just anticipating that sweetness and the juiciness to discover that it was a black olive. And uh, I like black olives, but uh, that is not what I was expecting. And actually, at the very same church, I grabbed what I thought was a chocolate donut, and it ended up being a a pumpernickel bagel. And again, I love pumpernickel, but when you're expecting to have a nice sweet chocolate donut and you get a pumpernickel bagel that's not toasted or anything, uh, it, it was not really what I was hoping. So sometimes something, you have this expectation of the way things are, and you discover that things are not exactly the way you thought it would be. And I fear that sometimes the church has been guilty of debate and switch. And what I mean by that is there are times that we proclaim the message, and of course we want to make the gospel message as attractive as possible, because obviously we want people to come to know God as we know God, and we want to make that very attractive. But sometimes we cover it in such a way that it is not exactly the way it is, that we're not giving the full story. And so uh, I've heard many testimonies or proclamations in church where people will say something like, uh, come and be a follower of Jesus and your life is going to be great. You know, you can become a, a child of God, you're adopted into his family, the blessings are going to come, and people will share their story. They'll say, uh, before I was a Christian, I was miserable, uh, life was terrible, I struggled in so many different areas, and now I've become a follower of Jesus, and every day is just glorious. I just wake up just filled with the presence of God, filled with blessings. Uh, I just, anytime I'm in need, I just pray, and God provides it, and it's so good. Come 
and join this family. That's what you have to look forward to. Why would you not become a follower of Jesus if that's exactly the way it's going to be? So that's the message that we give. And people hear that and they wow, that's great. I want that life. And so they come and they become Christians. And then they find out, wait a minute, life continues on. Uh, you can still get fired from your job. You can still get sick. You can still have uh, breakdowns in your family. None of those things go away just because you're a Christian. And that's where the bait and switch is, that we've proclaimed this really easy, blessed life, and then people find out that life is still just as messy, that there's still suffering for the Christian. What I love about the Bible is the Bible doesn't ever share that message, that the Bible is painfully honest about how hard life can be. Uh, for the last uh, quite a long time, we've been reading a psalm at the beginning of our worship service. And some of those psalms are beautiful calls to worship, but some of them are really wrestling with how hard life can be and how people can feel uh, betrayed and can also feel very distant from God. I love that. I also love the book of Job, which is what we're going to focus on this morning, which is a reflection on what it means to suffer and how we can respond in suffering. It doesn't give any easy answers. If you're looking for an easy answer to explain why suffering happens, you're not going to find it in Job, but you will find the reaction of one person to his specific circumstances, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at his story and try to understand uh, who he was and, and what happened to him. So many people are somewhat familiar with uh, the person of Job, even if they don't know the story, perhaps you've heard the phrase that uh, that person has the patience of Job. And they might not even know anywhere in the Bible or even that it comes from the Bible, but people are familiar with that phrase. Now, it's interesting that that phrase is used because if you actually read through the book of Job, uh, he's not that patient. He actually is complaining a lot. In fact, the whole thing seems to be him going back to God and, and just really wrestling with God. Uh, so patience, to me, is not the, uh, the the key theme in the book of Job. But that's how people think of him. So this character Job, he is presented as a very righteous man. He is just loving God so much, and he is dedicated to his faith. And he's a caring person as well. And one of the examples that's given in the first chapter of Job talks about how he would offer sacrifices, not just for his own sins, but he would offer sacrifices for the sins of his children because he was so concerned uh, for both the, uh, the needs, the spiritual needs of his children, but also to make sure that uh, things are going well with God. So he's respecting the holiness of God and he's also reflecting uh, the love he has for his family. And so he's the kind of person that we would look at and say, that's the kind of person of faith that I want to be. I want to be just like Job. And in the story, we find that Satan becomes aware of Job and the, the faithfulness that he has. And so Satan uh, goes to, uh, to God's uh, courtroom and says to him, uh, I've, uh, th- this Job uh, that you're, you've been talking about, uh, yeah, he's faithful to you. He, he's really devoted to you. But that's because he's filthy rich, he's got this really great family, he's healthy, anyone would be faithful in that way. If you shower enough blessings on a person, they're going to be thankful, they're going to be happy, 
Satan says to God, if you take away that stuff, he's going to turn away from you in an instant. The only reason he's following you, the only reason he's devoted to you, is because things are going well. And God gives Satan the permission to start withdrawing those blessings. And it is a very, very painful experience. And when you read it, it just it's heartbreaking to think what was going on. And as we're reading the story, we're aware of what's happening in the heavens, but Job has no idea. There he is, he's trying to be faithful to God, and he loses his family, he loses his possessions, he loses his health, everything falls apart. And in the midst of that, we see this, this great passage where he just acknowledges that everything he had, including his family, including his possessions, including his health, all of that came from God. And what God has given, God has the authority to take away. And he accepts that, and he even praises God in that. Now, when we say he praises God, it's not that he's happy. He's not happy. Read through Job. He's really, really upset about what's going on. He is grieving. He is mourning. He is hurting. Things are very rough. However, what we see in this passage is that there is a place in his faith for suffering. Uh, the fact that he would lose what he had, the fact that he would suffer and hurt, does not take away from his faith. He never had this expectation that as long as I follow God and I'm faithful to God, God is obligated to make my life easy, to make my life comfortable, and to give me blessings all the time. There was a place for suffering in Job's faith. And this is actually a, a difference to that of the Buddhist faith. And I'm not here to criticize a, another religion, just to say that uh, if you're familiar with Buddhism, they are a response to suffering. And the Buddhist way of understanding uh, how we should respond to suffering is, if you don't want to suffer, remove the attachments. Don't be so attached to your family, because your family could be gone in an instant. Don't be attached to your possessions. Don't be attached to your health. Remove those attachments, and then when they are gone, that cannot hurt you. But that's actually not the biblical faith. The biblical faith encourages us to be attached, to be attached into our relationships, to be attached into the things that we, we care about, but also to be prepared that those things might go and that we need to know who we can rely upon. And in the book of Job, we find that he is able to rely upon God. Now, Job never gets the answers as to why he was suffering. That's not what the book of Job is about. It's rather to show us an example of someone who held on in the good times and in the bad times. Uh, if you're familiar with the, the wedding uh, vows that say, for better or for, for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, that that's what we expect for a, uh, a marriage. Well, it should be the same way in our relationship with God. It's not just when things are good, but in all circumstances that we follow God. Now, today is Palm Sunday. What in the world does Job have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, think about what Palm Sunday is about. Palm Sunday is when we remember what's often called the triumphal entry, where Jesus uh, walks into Jerusalem and people are putting their, their palms uh, in front of him. They're putting their coats in front of him. Uh, he's riding on the donkey. Uh, people are chanting these psalms. They're crying out, Hosanna. Uh, some of them are even 
wanting to proclaim him king. This, if you look at Jesus' earthly ministry and look at it purely from a human perspective, this would be the apex of his ministry. This is as, as good as it ever gets. Uh, you know, he, he's had some, you know, pretty, pretty impressive moments. But as he's entering into Jerusalem, I, I am sure that the disciples are just feeling great. They're feeling on top of their game. Everything is fantastic. So in many ways, where Jesus is, as he's entering into Jerusalem, is very much where Job is at the beginning of that book. But if we know the story of uh, the Passion Week, of what actually takes place, we know that Jesus is entering into Jerusalem not to be showered with blessings, but he's entering into that to suffer, to uh, eventually be arrested, uh, betrayed by his friends, uh, crucified, and to have this extremely shameful death. We had earlier in the service the uh, reading of Jesus' baptism. And it's an amazing story. As Right at the beginning of his ministry, he's, he's baptized. And his father uh, says that he is pleased with his son. But when you look at that passage, you might wonder, well, what has happened? I mean, he's gotten wet. Big deal. You know, I've been wet lots of times. I've even been baptized. Uh, but, you know, I've never heard God call out and say, wow, that was great what you just did. That was fantastic. The reason why God responds in the way he does when Jesus is baptized is because at his baptism, he is agreeing to take the path of suffering. That is the beginning of his journey that will eventually lead to the cross. And by being baptized in that, in that way, he is taking on that rule, that destiny for his life. So Jesus is someone who did not expect that everything was going to go all right. He was going with the expectation that he would suffer, that there was a place in his faith, in his understanding of the Father, in his understanding of life and the world. There was a place for that, for suffering to be a part of it. And he was willing to embrace that. Now, as I bring it to conclusion, I just want to share a little bit about my story. And I want to say, first of all, I am no Job, and I am definitely no Jesus. But I've experienced suffering in my life. There have been times and seasons in my life where I felt like a Job. I felt like I was a, uh, a boxer uh, out of his league going up against the champ and getting hit and hit and hit, that life was just pummeling me. Uh, it was, it, one day it's finances, the next day it's health, then it's family problems, and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, those moments have been difficult. I'm not going to uh, stand here and say to you, uh, life threw its worst at me, and I just stood there and said, praise be to God, I love it. Just bring it on. That is not the way it was. I had the patience of Job, meaning, yes, I complained just as much as Job complained uh, in, in that book. But the, way, the reason why I was able to get through that was not because I was super spiritual, but I understood that there was a place for suffering in my life. My faith never was a matter of uh, God... Now that I have agreed to follow you, you are obligated now to make sure that everything goes well. I understood that I live in a fallen world where things don't work out the way they're supposed to. 
It means that relationships sometimes go sour. It means that sometimes you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Those kinds of things do happen. And I understood that. And I had read through the scriptures. And I had seen all of the the heroes of faith that we look to. They never experienced just pure bliss. All of them had some kind of suffering in their life. And for us to get through life, uh, we can't go at it saying, wait a minute, something bad has happened to me. This seems to be out of order. Uh, God must be mad at me, or I must have done something bad, or maybe Christianity isn't even true because I was under the impression that as a Christian that I was to live the blessed life. That is not what the scriptures talk about. Yes, there are blessings. Of course, I totally believe in blessings, and I've been blessed many times. But the scriptures do not shy away from suffering. People are going to do bad things. Uh, Bad things are going to happen to us, and that's the way it is. Job was aware of that. He was very much aware that suffering could come his way. And he demonstrated that he was not a fair-weather friend, He was there for better or for worse. But he also had hope. He had hope that what he was experiencing right at that moment was not the end of the story, that there was something else coming. So I want to conclude with the words from Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him. With my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. God, we thank you that you are real and that you are there for us. We thank you for the example of Job. Who, had, who suffered tremendously, and yet even in the midst of suffering, he remained faithful to you. He understood that that is part of what happens in a fallen world. We thank you for the message of the triumphal entry, that Jesus entered into Jerusalem, not just to be proclaimed king, not to receive a crown of gold, but rather to receive a crown of thorns that he embraced the cross. He embraced suffering because he knew that that was a part of his destiny. Lord, I pray for each one of us, whatever situation we might be in right now, we might be experiencing disappointments of how life has turned out. We might be wondering where you have been or how you could have betrayed us. I pray, Lord, that you would enter into our experience and that you would make yourself real. Remind us that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.